Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I saw a few light bulbs go off as we sang that first hymn. The great hymn writer formerly known as Cat Stevens. Uh, And you find out he didn't think of that song. He just made a lot of money off of it. It goes way back centuries. So we've got in our gospel today, we've got this crazy gardener. He goes out to sow some seed, slinging it every which direction, willy-nilly. A lot of seed wasted, falling onto the beaten path. Some of it fell onto rocks, into the weeds and thistles and Somehow, miraculously, some of the seed manages to fall into some pretty good soil. The gist of it is that there's a lot of waste going on in this story. Now, I'm not a big fan of waste. I'm getting better at it, but I hate to see it. In my life, I've been quite a saver. I mean, if moving has reminded me of anything, it's... Wow, have I accumulated a lot of stuff. I used to save, I discovered, as I cleaned out the garage a week ago, that I saved every one of those rubber bands that came with the morning paper. I wrapped them around old cardboard, you know, insides of toilet paper. And then I threw them away. I saved paper clips from old notes, files. I turn off the lights when I leave a room. I used to save grass clippings in a big pile in the back, hoping that someday they miraculously would turn into something. I always take the shortest route from point A to point B and Living out here again has reminded me how important that is, or you pay a huge price. So, I'm not quite as ridiculous as my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law, I'm going to reveal, saves an immense amount of plasticware. Plastic forks and knives and utensils and wrapped napkins and... Especially to my chagrin, I found in a cupboard just piles of plastic containers, none of which would pass through the health commission. So I'm wondering about this thing I have about waste and wonder if a few of you might have the same affliction. And since this is a parable and we're supposed to learn something from it, And since we're relatively enlightened folks who understand that this is not a story or a lesson taught about the soil, and it's not a lesson taught about the seed, we're guessing that it's probably not about you and me. We understand at least this much, that this parable seems to be about this reckless, wild, enthusiastic, and hopeful gardener who plants haphazardly. This God of ours who casts His grace 
and His promises and His Word seemingly indiscriminately. For those of us bothered at all with waste, it suggests that in God's kingdom, in God's economy, there's a lot of waste. When Jesus was born, according to the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, we find bad, cruel King Herod slaughtering hundreds of innocent Jewish baby boys, hoping against hope that he might just happen to slaughter this one he's heard about, this baby who might be a king. I mean, I think, wouldn't it have been a bit better to let up a bit on his king imagery and language describing the baby Jesus and instead of causing this historical bloodbath to happen? Maybe Matthew could have toned down the, the birth of Jesus a little bit. I mean, there was a lot of pain, a lot of misery, a lot of waste. But this Gospel that Matthew tells is not about toning things down. Matthew wants to tell it like it is. So, the next scene in the birth narrative, you have the Magi showing up at the manger with the costliest of gifts. After this arduous road trip, after getting long lecture from the king, King Herod, they finally locate the baby, or by now maybe the toddler, and they bow down and worship and they present to this one who would be king. The finest of gifts. And this kind of extravagance, as Matthew tells it, continues. It continues with Jesus as He grows up and as He goes into His ministry years. He who runs around the land tossing out His promises and His good news and His teachings and even His miracles enthusiastically all over the place, often to the crowds with so little in return. Only a few responded, followed. Think of how many stories Jesus Himself told that highlight the same theme, this, this waste of grace. you got the reckless shepherd risking the welfare of 99 sheep going out to just find the one. A man inviting guests to a lavish banquet and he's invited his best friends and they turn him down. They're too busy. Yeah, i got a commitment. I can't come. And so finally, having tried all things to get those whom he loved to come, he calls his servants and says, I need you to go out to the street corners and under the bridge abatements and onto the on-ramps. And I need you to invite them to come in. We would never think of doing something like that. There's a Samaritan who gave all he had to handle the bandaging of the wounds of a stranger that he found bleeding and lying in a ditch and he put him up for the night and he paid his bills in advance and he was the one in that culture that had been taught don't even come close to someone like that guy. He was one of the untouchables. Or how about that the widow, the old, old widow, as Matthew tells tells it, as Jesus says it. 
the old widow who puts her whole self into the offering plate. I mean, what kind of offering is that? Jesus welcoming the children, welcoming the women, welcoming the strangers, welcoming the outcasts, welcoming the sinners. What a waste. And what could be more wasteful than Jesus laying His life down for people like you and me? My problem is that I love efficiency. I love practicality. I want to make my time and my energy and my spending and my efforts count. I want to be productive. I like to move through my day confident that my time and my resources are being well used, not wasted. But we're talking here about God's economy, not mine. Not your economy. And in God's kingdom, it seems like waste is just a reality. Lots of wasted seed, lots of wasted words, lots of wasted energy and wasted lives, wasted time, wasted resources. You remember Judas's whole problem with the thing, with Jesus? It was that he was wasting their resources on the poor. This poor bugger in the story that's casting seed, and we're looking at today, this, he has a great deal working against him. He's got lousy rocks and he's got hard soil and he's got birds that come up and weeds that grow and into a world of violence and greed and distraction and self-concern, anxiety. Jesus invites us to join Him in graceful love. Extravagant love and giving and reckless affection for the entire world. Now, we've got a lot of things working against us in this cause of God's kingdom, don't we? Look out there. Wow. We should be out there. I mean, think about it. On this bright, beautiful, coastal Sunday, there are more people on the beach on the golf course, on the tennis courts, on their boats. There are more folks on their patios or their pools or still in bed or at brunch than there are worshiping around the entire planet the one who put them all there. God may not take vacations, but boy, we do. Hmm. I spend hours preparing wonderful, profound, insightful words for so few. (laughs) We've got a team of loving and caring adults who carry out Sunday school and vacation Bible camp, work with youth, preparing lessons and activities and fun and getting the rooms ready and the programs ready for just a few. This beautiful museum of a building 
and grounds. It has issues. It has needs. Plenty of open seats. It's so lavish. It's so beautiful. It's so grand. Yet it's so expensive. We sing to the notes of this gorgeous and historic organ played by this consummate professional. I don't know. It's just I want to stand up and applaud sometimes when I hear her play. It costs lots of money to keep this thing up and running, and we delay our maintenance on it for years. I mean, couldn't we, David, do just as well with the upright piano? <laughs> Maybe a guy on a guitar? Waste. Waste. I spent about two hours last week with a troubled young person. Not even a member of this church or any church. Waste. People are spending time praying for the ill and for the infirmed and the hurting. They are even praying for the future of this congregation. Is that a waste? Someone thanked me a couple of weeks ago because he seems to have gotten something, he said, at least out of one of the three sermons that I'd preached so far. I thought to myself, two-thirds of my work wasted. I mean, there's so much working against our hearing and receiving the Word let alone our being sent and scattered into the world, just like this parable suggests. We're distracted. Our minds are cluttered with so many cares and concerns. We've got so many inputs via the media. Our senses are overstimulated. Tell me this. How much of the seed that's been planted in your life has produced. Something simple. How much of the Bible do you know? Have you read it? Have you read through it? Maybe a few times? Better yet, do you understand it? Do you, do you get that red thread of God's amazing grace that runs through that entire story from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Ought maybe you come to Bible study this fall? I'm just saying. For all of you who've been at this church thing for years, maybe even decades, all of that Scripture that has been poured out, scattered in your life, wasted? <laughs> but that's not the whole story, is it? Jesus tells in this parable that it not only is seed wasted, but he tells about an abundant harvest. For sure, Jesus said that much of the seed goes to waste, but some of the seed, wonder of wonders, takes hold. It grows roots. It grows up. It yields 30, 60, 100 times a rich bounty. If you've got ears, God says, listen. So the parable ends with this great, productive, joyful harvest where we'd least expect it. Yes, there's waste. Yes, there's disappointing results. 
the sowing of the seed is not efficient for someone like myself, but it proves to be effective. Now, I've been at this thing for quite a while now. Decades of my life have been about being scattered and scattering seed. Where the prospects look pretty bleak, really. Sorry to say. And I confess that there's a part of me that has come to expect the waste and the futility and a fair amount of failure. In fact, I've been around the church long enough now to be known as an expert in futility, in waste, and in failure. I specialize in it. There's even a bit of me that's content with questions like, why prepare a message that only one in three of you will truly hear if I help you stay awake? Or why tell someone about your faith when most of that witness is going to fall on deaf ears? Or another good question, why struggle to do what's loving or what's right when nine out of ten average Americans are quite content doing whatever they want as long as it works for them and doesn't hurt many others? Or here's one. Is there anything good happening at this church, at the neighborhood church, through the disciples of Jesus here? Or are we wasting our efforts? Well, God knows there's plenty of waste. That the story affirms. But there's also grace. And that grace makes a difference. By God's good grace, not by our own efficient and careful planning and efforts, there's going to be a harvest, folks. I believe that. In God's own good time, not on my schedule, not on your schedule, there has been and will be a bountiful and gracious, surprising and sometimes disarming harvest. And if you have ears, you'll listen. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and always. Amen.